millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. And of course, if this is your first time listening or you just recently started listening, thank you so much for putting us on. We really do appreciate it. Now today, sing Hosanna's Stop All the Clocks. We are joined by the truly wonderful friend of this podcast, Marion Keyes, the writer who came in to share some wisdom with us about all the things she has learned about life in the past six decades because she had one of those randy birthdays recently and turned 60. And one of the things she's learned is about the importance of staying in your comfort zone if that's what you feel like doing. That should be hate speech, you know, saying, you know, push yourself, go out of your comfort zone. Do a bungee jump. No, do not. Do nothing of the fucking sort. Excuse me. Like, no. Like, if you know who you are and most of us, if we put in a little bit of effort, we'll find out, you know, Why would I do something that terrifies me and that I think I actually won't survive? I'm convinced I'd have a heart attack if I did a bungee jump. Now, just before we come to the brilliant Marion, a couple of stories that caught our eye this week. This one's from the Irish Times, and it's about the fact that the Cabinet has approved plans to examine the possible establishment of a new National Women's Museum to highlight the achievements of women from all walks of life, both contemporary and historical. And this came about when the Minister for Culture, Catherine Martin, announced this week the establishment of a new expert committee to advise on the representation of women and women's stories within Ireland's national cultural institutions. This group is going to be asked to help existing cultural institutions to find any gaps in their collections or programmes around the representation of women, with the group also tasked with proposing actions to address any such gaps. And Jennifer Bray was reporting about that in the Irish Times this week. She said it's understood the new committee will ensure that the voices of historically marginalised women are also examined in the discussion. And a major plank of the committee's work will be examining the possibility of creating a standalone presentation of women's stories, which could take the form of a new National Women's Museum. And examples of women who would be celebrated in such a thing include contemporary writers, designers, artists, sportswomen, and also historically significant women, both famous and overlooked. A source said a national museum could commemorate every aspect of women's contribution to the state and would be all Ireland in nature, encompassing women who have been left out of the narrative. And I'm interested to see as well that that referendum on women in the home, it doesn't necessarily look very likely that it's going to happen in November or indeed ever. So this is at least a positive way of focusing on and celebrating 
women in Ireland. Another story that we spotted this week is from The Guardian and they say that health experts are calling for a feminist approach to cancer to eliminate inequalities as research reveals 800,000 women worldwide are dying needlessly every year because they are denied optimal care. Cancer is one of the biggest killers of women and it ranks in their top three causes of premature deaths in almost every country on every continent. But gender equality and discrimination are reducing women's opportunities to avoid cancer risks and impeding their ability to get a timely diagnosis and quality care. And this is according to a report that was recently published in The Lancet. It was the largest report of its kind. It studied women and cancer in 185 countries and it found unequal power dynamics across society globally were having resounding negative impacts on how women experience cancer prevention and treatment. And that story from The Guardian also says that there was particular focus on women's cancers, including breast and cervical, despite lung and colorectal cancer being among the top three causes of deaths from the disease, apparently, according to researchers. Gender inequalities are also hindering women's professional advancement as leaders in cancer research practice and policy making, which in turn perpetuates the lack of women-centred cancer prevention and care, the report adds. So that's very interesting and hopefully the fact that they're finding this now can help. And the report said that our commission highlights that gender inequality significantly impact women's experiences with cancer and to address this we need cancer to be seen as a priority issue in women's health and call for the immediate introduction of a feminist approach to cancer. So we'll watch that space and see if that feminist approach to cancer does indeed come about and hopefully that research will help that. Now, Marion Keyes is one of the most successful Irish novelists of all time. She's been translated into 33 languages and more than 35 million copies of her novels have been sold around the world. And she has gazillions of fans in every country, all over the place. And they love her take on family, relationships, love and every aspect of life that she pours into books such as Rachel's Holiday, This Charming Man, Watermelon, Anybody Out There, Grown Ups and most recently again Rachel. Her writing is warm, witty and honest and she is all of those things in real life too. In addition to her novels, Marion has written two collections of journalism and with Tara Flynn she presents a hugely popular radio show Now You're Asking on BBC Radio 4 and that show is starting a third series very soon. Marion recently celebrated what Ronan Collins used to call a roundy birthday. So we thought it was a good idea to get her in the studio to tell us what she's learned about life over those six decades. It was another wonderful conversation with a wonderful Irish woman. And I really hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Marion Keyes, it feels like a long time since we've had you in this studio. It is a long time. I mean, it's definitely pre-pandemic. It is. In so we're talking other times. four years at least. I know. It's so great to see you. It's lovely to and see you. And it's a very special reason that we have you in because you turned 60 recently. I did. And we wanted to talk to you about it. So first of all, how was it? How was your birthday? My birthday itself was lovely. Um, the whole thing has been very surprising. Hmm. I just, 60 sounds incredibly old. And one of the reasons is that like, I mean, for women, 60 was the age when we retired. And and that was really it for most of us. You know, in a way, like 50 or 40 wasn't in any way really traumatic. 60 was a bit of a... I just, I just felt something had gone wrong. You know, that somehow 10 years had been skipped. I mean, I feel like I'm maybe 43. 
in your head. Yeah. Um, but like, 60 is a long way into it. Um, my actual birthday was lovely. Um, I just saw my family, but like my sister came from New York with her husband and my beloved niece came from the Amsterdam <laughs> and uh, they made me a special cake. Oh my God. Um, it's, I love Wes Anderson and um, they made me this cake that looked like the Grand Budapest Hotel. Incredible. Like it was, like it was the most beautiful, beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I really, I just thought we were going to get our usual cake from Tesco's, you know, because, you know, I have a big family and we have a lot of birthdays and it's all quite, you know, conveyor belt. You know, you get your cake. It's the same cake everyone else gets. But no, they also got me these cupcakes that had Keanu Reeves being John Wick in, because again, like I watch John Wick for sort of comfort, you know, John Wick films and Paddington films. They kind of do the same thing for me. And, uh, and like, I love Keanu anyway. And I don't know. Do you watch John Wick? No. Oh, my God. But now I'm going to because you told me about Ted Lasso and then I got mad yeah. into oh, Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah. Like, John Wick, his, he barely speaks in any of the films and kind of all he says is, yeah. <laughs> and so on the cupcakes, there were these little roundy things, you know, of John Wick saying, happy birthday, Marion. Yeah. And like it was the best Your thing. Your family it, are like, so they're cool. fantastic. And I had a crown. I had a sash. A crown. Yeah, I had you know banners. You see, Katrina lives in New York. Oh, she has all that stuff. She, they, that, yeah, you just go to the corner the, shop when they have that. That's crap, it. And they? they do it. You know. <laughs> do it properly. Yeah, they do. No, yeah. it was really, really, really nice. That's lovely. And I think from knowing you over the years, I feel you've always been very positive about aging. And it's ha- not something yeah. like you've kind of been. Oh, don't talk to me, or I don't want to celebrate, or. You know, getting yeah. older is a privilege, I think you've always Yeah, I said. mean, I mean, really, you know, I look back at my life and there were two times anyway that I could have died and I didn't and I'm still here. No, I don't mind being old at all. I mean, 60 is not old. I'm sort of joking, you know, and, and I don't feel like a crock. Um, I feel the way I did the day before I turned 60. Um, and I suppose I feel healthy. You know, I feel I got things done in the summer. I got, you know, my cholesterol checked and st- and things like that and my bone density. And I'd last had them done in 2014. And um, my cholesterol is zero. And yeah, I'm, yeah, I know. I'm, Marion. I'm, I know. And poor Tony's is not zero. And he's had to go on the statins. And he's <laughs> thrown in the bed, staring at the ceiling, like thinking it's all over. And my bone <laughs> density, my bone density has improved. And it's funny, I am what never. What are you doing, Marion? I don't know. Well, I actually know what I'm doing. I am kind of perpetually sick. You know, I am never fully well. <laughs> and I think what I'm doing is I'm sort of, I'm bending rather than breaking. You know, I recommend it. Like, Get ear infections, get funny things wrong with your eyes, you know, get odd things with your stomach, you know, take to bed for three days. And then, like my mother is the same. Like my mother is 91 and has never been well a day in her life (laughs) and, and is still with us, you know. I wonder, is there a science to this? Like, what would doctors say? About well, I am technique? a doctor, actually. Like I, like, I am. Like, it's not an actual medical thing. Um, but Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I do. I do a have doctor, a, a yeah. doctor, Mary. Yeah, and I am. An honorary I have doctorate. an honorary doctorate, but I am really an unqualified doctor. You spend you know, a lot of time in pharmacy. I do. And, and doctors. And in doctors. Yes. And, <laughs> and I honestly think there is something to the bending rather than breaking. Okay. You know, don't bother being stoical. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be going to work if you're not well. 
duvet days all duvet the way. Duvet days, mind yourself. And you'll live to be old. This is great because, you know, this is why we wanted to have you on. This is brilliant philosophy from you. And we wanted to get to um, the things that you've learned having lived six decades on this planet. Um, you've got a lot of wisdom to share. And I think a lot of people love following you for the crack, which we all get, but also for those part bits of wisdom. I love reading your books because of that too, because that kind of wisdom all gets fed into your novels, which I'm dying for your next one, but I won't Thank I won't you. say that. But whenever it comes, we're all Thank dying you. for it. Well, I kind of have a name for it now. Um, my favourite mistake. Oh, yeah, you like? Yes, I love. You see, I wanted old dog new tricks, right. but they wouldn't go for it. I think the editors freak out if it's got old in the title. Yeah. It's like, no, no they won't touch it. My favourite mistake speaks to us all. Okay, great. Yes. Okay, lovely. Well, that's great. Yeah. You have a title. I have a title. You're yeah, nearly and I there, didn't sure. have it. Yeah, once you have the title, <laughs> the rest is easy. Oh, yeah, like, exactly. It's true. So easy. All right. So what have but I learned? But I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to ask you about things you've learned. So, Tell okay, us. right. About happiness. Like, I mean, we all want happiness. And I mean, I really want to be happy all the time. I never want anything unpleasant to happen to me. And you know the way now and again, you're with lovely people or, or like something, you know, you're in a beautiful place or just some piece of good fortune ha- has happened to you. And suddenly you feel like really happy, like really joyous, like really, really, really elevated. And... We, as human beings, have got into the habit of, we think that these little bursts of of joy, that they're sort of trailers or previews of how how we will be and how our lives will feel when everything is fixed. When we have, in my case, finished the book I'm writing, you know, um, dealt with my current health problems, you know, when the people I'm worried about are okay, you know, when I've paid for the blah, 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 when I've done the such and such. I think once all of those things are done and I am fixed, then I'm going to feel those lovely feelings all the time. And we are missing the tree for the woods, if you will pardon me. Because, yeah, these previews are not previews. This is the happiness. You know, in every life, we'll get a few of them. But that's as good as it gets. And don't dismiss them or don't be holding out hope that when everything, when you have done everything, that you're going to feel like that. Those, those are, they are the event. Mm -hmm. They are the wonderful thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, so feel and appreciate and revel in the happiness when it's there. there. Not as something that is going to hopefully come again and be yeah. permanent because it's not. It's not. It is absolutely not. Like that kind of burst of joy yeah. um, is only one of the millions of emotions we'll feel. And anyone who's lucky enough to have them should savour them and, you know, I don't know, concretize it, like maybe, maybe take photographs or maybe talk to the other people who were there so that you can kind of relive those feelings. Yeah. But please, we have to stop deferring our real lives. You know, I think that's, we all do it. Mm. We all feel incomplete and wrong in some way. And we think if only these things were fixed, then Everything would then be. And I'd feel like this, this but that's all the not time. how it works. No, it's not. In, uh, you've learned that now over. I have Turn, over. As a yeah. wise woman of 60. As a wise woman of 60. And I'm a very slow learner. <laughs> yeah, because I just want everything to be lovely. I suppose the other thing, one of the other things I've learned is like, life is shockingly short. 
I never believed people. Mm. When I always thought, Jesus Christ, it's endless. You know, <laughs> will it ever end? This is, I found like each day, you know, like I, I wanted days to be like maybe 17 hours long rather than 24 because there just seemed to be so much endurance in each day. And like I was wrecked. Like it was only five o'clock in the evening and I wanted to go to bed and I wasn't allowed because there were, you know, there were still several hours to run. But now at 60, I'm looking back and I'm thinking, God, you know, that was fast. And, you know, I can remember how I was at 21. I can remember it really clearly. Um, And I think maybe like me, if you're living in the same part of wherever as you grew up in, it is very easy to kind of meet your younger self. And in some ways, an awful lot has changed for me. But in some ways, I am exactly the same person. And I think, I suppose I feel that kind of sorrow. of You know, all those lives we'll never get to live. Mm. I'll never get to live them now, you know. And you feel sad about that? You see, I don't. And I'll tell you why. Because I think, you know, we always think, oh, yeah, you know, I could have been an architect. Or, you know, I could have been a fantastic whatever, you know. Wish I was, yeah, you know, mm. whatever. And like, or I, I wish I had learned to do blah, 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 blah. And I think there should be one of those German portmanteau words for all the things we wish we had done or the people we wish we had been, but that we were never actually really going to do it. It was the, it was the fantasy that kind of was nice, you know, mm. that, that, that those fantasies are pleasant and helpful rather than things we genuinely should have done and that we should feel bad about for right. not doing, you know. Yeah. We don't have to do all the things. I mean, obviously we can't, but we should be allowed to take comfort. Yeah. You know, I still think, and I mean, I might do things. Yeah. But you've done a lot of things, like you go off and you're knitting things and you're, oh, I, yeah. and you're furniture stuff and you have kind of managed to really yes. do a lot more than writing, haven't you? Yeah. I mean... Could that be another thing? I think we should all be who we are. And that is very, very hard for human beings because we're tribal and we want to fit in. And I mean, for so much of my life, I pretended to like things that I didn't like. And I buried the things that I loved because I thought they were stupid or foolish or childish or, you know, uncool. Um... And that is a terrible thing for anyone to do to themselves, to sort of to deny your own truth. Um, You know, I told myself that the endorsement or the approval of others was more important than what I wanted. And definitely, definitely, as I've got older, I've indulged my mad whims and... And I've done it in a way that has suited me. Like, you know, when I I started painting and I went to see about and they were all like yes well we'll start with watercolours and we'll start with like lovely little little canvases you know and I thought no I want ginormous canvases and I want to paint in oil and that was what I did you know I didn't let somebody tell me what I couldn't do I suppose because I mean it didn't really have any consequence it was a hobby Um, but like feck it I did it and I enjoyed myself so much and that would have taken me 
well, it did take me years before I felt confident mm. enough to do it. Yeah. But yeah, it is far healthier to like what you like. Yeah. Don't let others dictate. Yes. And kind of maybe coming on from that, it's dawned on me quite recently that it's really okay to say, I don't know. Um, I think in the modern world, we're not allowed. Like we're expected to have opinions on absolutely everything. We're you know, to have very, very kind of, you know, fully actualized opinions. And um, if we meet someone who disagrees with us, we have to be able to defend our opinions. And I have, well, about 18 months ago, a bit more, I stopped watching the news when Russia invaded Ukraine. I just stopped because I couldn't bear it. Like it was an act of self-care. And I've missed so much. I've missed the awfulness of that war. And I've missed all the bullshit in the US with their forthcoming election, you know. And um, and it has been really nice. Every now and again when I catch, a, you know, a, a glimpse of something, it's, it's horrifying, mm. you know. And I think, oh my God, this is great. So yeah, I have no opinions really on anything at the moment. <laughs> and, um, and it's very nice. And I can just say, I don't know. And people say, but you have a duty to, to, and I, you know, I don't have a duty. I actually don't. I have a duty first and foremost to myself to take care of myself. And, uh, or if I do, on the rare occasions, I do have an opinion. And, you know, it wouldn't be on anything like, like anything meaningful. It would be about makeup. And in fact, if you like, we can discuss <laughs> the makeup. Um, but, you know, if people disagree with me, I don't even bother. I say, well, grand, work away. And another thing that is actually, I think it is a criminal offence at the moment, is to change your mind. It's to have an opinion and then not exactly to flip-flop, but to say, well, Jesus, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm not fully in agreement with that thing that I thought 17 years ago anymore. And people are like, what? But you said, you know. And I think, especially in times of social media, when any opinions are out in the world and they are in black and white. People expect those opinions to be perpetual, that they last forever. Um, but it's healthy to question things. And it's healthy, healthy to say, I don't know. I think um, I feel differently now. I've lived longer I've met people that have affected me differently yeah and that's that's how it is for me now I love that one yeah the most important life skill that any of us will ever learn is the ability to apologize you know like people are fecking you know climbing mountains and doing duolingo and you know <laughs> making jewelry and but this learning to apologise, knowing how to apologise properly with sincerity and with no, yeah, but you shouldn't have done that. You know, just to apologise is, well, it's a very, I mean, it's difficult. But apologies are about two things for me. I mean, and I am, I am very prone to like wild irritation when I'm annoyed, which is a lot of the time. Actually, that's another thing about being <laughs> old. You know, I give out. I'm very vocal and then I feel like shit, you know, because if I've hurt somebody, it's very, very difficult. You know, I feel 
I don't want another person to be upset because of something I've done. I don't want to make the world slightly worse than it already is. But I also apologise for myself because carrying that shame and regret around with me, it never goes away. I, you know, I tried to pretend that the event didn't happen and I sort of think, I will never go to that place ever again. You know, maybe the entire city of Bologna. You know, I will just never, I'll never go to Italy. And, well, <laughs> Europe, the, the, the main, the continent of Europe. If I just never go there, then I won't be reminded of that terrible way I behaved. But if I pluck up or kind of connect with the mature part of myself and try and mind the mortified child part of myself and go along and do my apologies, it means that I can, I can visit Europe again and indeed Italy and maybe even Bologna. You know, like the apologizer gets as much, if not more, out of it than the apologize e, mm. if that's a word. Yeah, I think we can make it a word. Okay, it's not. Yeah. Now, can we talk about romantic relationships? Oh yeah. I have such strong feelings on it, okay. um, and I suppose I'm saying this for the youngs. The um, youngs. Yeah. We have a lot of the youngs listening to the podcast. Yeah, actually. and like I was a very, oh, complicated young, and. I thought, well, first of all, I thought there was the one. The one does not exist. You know, there is no such thing. Don't be wasting your time. You meet somebody and he's really nice or she's really nice or whatever. And then you find out they have awful taste in, in music or socks or whatever. You Don't, don't, don't like burn it all down just because of that. Because we're all just flawed human beings staggering around in the fog, doing our best. And you could be the person with the bad socks or the, or, you know, or the dodgy earrings or whatever um, to somebody else. And you wouldn't like to be, you know, dismissed entirely because of that. Mm. We have to realise that the people we fall in love with are as incomplete as we are. Mm. You know, we can't look to other people to make us feel complete. Mm. Like we can't. It's impossible. I can't do it for anyone else and nobody else can do it for me. Um and you know that whole thing about bad boys, um, which is just so utterly tragic, you know, and I say this as like, a, you know, I am a card carrying, you know, award winning bad boy follower. Um, <laughs> and we should just call them what they are, which is bad men. And what I used to get from those relationships was nothing to do with what I would get from healthy relationships. And when you think about it, we wouldn't ever be platonic friends with somebody who was cruel to us, who lied to us, who was a, who cheated on us, who was dishonest, who undermined us. Like, you just wouldn't, you know. But throw sex into the mix. And suddenly we're like, oh, you know, he's so, I mean, my God, it's like, you know, so passionate. And, the you know, it's not passionate. It's unhealthy. And for me, what I was doing was I was so incomplete by myself that I was using kind of the adrenaline mm. of those encounters as a substitute for actual connection. Or I was using, like, when he would finally ring, because this was a long time ago, you know, um, <laughs> the relief that I got was like a rush of, like, some sort of, what do they call it? Yeah, the endorphins and all No, that. there's another thing. What's oh, heroin made of? Oh, yeah, the, the yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of them what things. I got in the in the, after I had my cesarean in the hospital, they give you the bloody morphine. The, yes, yeah, like it, it's, it's good yeah, stuff. Uh, yeah. Still it's remember. like you know, it's like a phenomenal pain reliever, 
And that's what it was like for me. Whereas in relationships and again, the youngs, I suppose we all have to learn for ourselves. You need to be with somebody who's kind, you know, like there's no other feckin' point. Um, you've got to be some with somebody who's your friend, who likes you, who wants to protect you, who's on your side. Um, and it won't be perfect. You know, they will still do things that like drive you bananas. Which brings me to another point. Great. When you are engaging with another person and you're close, they are not the same as you. I think we all make the mistake of thinking that everybody has, you know, their same emotional architecture is the same as ours. Mm. And that is entirely not the case. And people disagree in very different ways. Like when I am disagreeing, which I'm doing a lot of, uh, at the moment, and, and it's my age, of course. I mean, you'll have to forgive me. You know, I am an archaeologist now. Um, <laughs> but I am very, I'm very vocal. You know, I'm loud and I say things over and over again and say things, can you believe? And, you know, and I mean, I'm not, and, you know, you know, I mean, that's who I am. I'm very, I'm vocal mm. and I'm high pitched and I'm, it's important that I get heard. Whereas my poor husband, who is, um, you know, he's very, very quiet. And in the beginning, when I used to be doing my ranting and all of that, he would go very quiet. And I used to think he was checking out, but he wasn't. What he was doing was he was trying to think of a solution. Mm. And we have to learn how to argue healthily or disagree healthily. Um, we've got to make an effort to understand how our loved ones are constructed emotionally. Because if we don't, we're just going to be like two people yelling into the void and not hearing each other and never, ever being able to help each other. Yeah. I like that point about the emotional architecture. It's different yeah. in everyone. Yeah. And you have to almost figure out what yes, that is. Yes, you do. You? And what formed them mm -hmm. and who were their role models? You know, what did they... What did they see being acted out? What did they learn? Because all we, all we are is what we see. You know, like, I mean, yeah, and then, you know, people can change once they're sort of aware. But like most of us raw, yeah. you know, we are what we saw modelled around us. And, you know, if you grew up in a, a silent, seething house, that's probably how you'll deal with rage. Whereas if you grew up in a very shouty house, hello, um, <laughs> you know, you'll do shouty stuff. And you can get past those differences so long as there's a, a kind of an understanding. Yeah, I like that one. And sometimes it takes a while, I think, to find people's emotional architecture and to understand it. Oh, God, completely. You know, it's not like something that happens overnight. Overnight, no. It's only like being with people and, and going through stuff. Because people are always going to present their best self when things are good. It's only when things are ropey that you'll find out the complexity of a person. Yeah. Right. These are great, Marianne. I'm oh, great. This. Yeah. <laughs> Gratitude lists. People hate yeah, I when I say this. <laughs> yeah, people hate it. But <laughs> just three things. Just three things. Like, you know, like we have all had times where we feel things could not get any worse for me. And that's rarely the truth. Mm. Um, things can be very, very bad. But 
Say if your toilet stops working. That makes it worse. See, you had a toilet and you didn't appreciate it. And now look. Like, it, I mean, like, I'm serious. It's about things like that. You know, like, if you are pain-free, that's something to be grateful for. Do your limbs work? Grand cake. Do you know, like, there is an awful lot, but it shifts my thinking because I am fundamentally, I'm not even a glass half empty person. You know, I never got the glass at all. I mean, that's my default. <laughs> my default. I never had a glass. There wasn't even a glass in the house I was growing up in. Do you know, like, and it's an effort to shift my thinking to positive. And it's worth doing. Three things, just three things at night. Have a little notebook. Buy yourself a nice little notebook. And do you do it? Yeah. And it, and it's really important part of your kind yeah. of day or your yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it works for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're literally those things. I have limbs that work. Yeah, it depends. I mean, often there's better things, yeah. but on bad days. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I have, my God, to have running water, it's only when you don't have it that you realise how lucky you were. I know that probably sounds really trite, but when it's, when you do it, it's not trite. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Great. All right, then. This is something that I have to do a lot. You know, because we live in the world we live in and because it's all about productivity, which is really all about capitalism, I berate myself all the time for the ways I failed and the ways I didn't measure up in any particular day. Like, I never get as much work done as I should have. And, um, you know, I'm, there are days when I achieve very little. And so instead of kind of focusing on that, I think it's really important for all of us to remember how far we've come. Um, in all kinds of ways, not just in achievey ways, mm. but like in... You know, most of us survived childhood, and childhood is, is horrific, really. Um, from well, it was for me. You know, I think for a lot of people, you know, because we're we're we haven't a clue what's going on, and we we've no power, and everything is scary. Um, and then we survived being teenagers, which is even worse. Then Jesus, don't talk to me about the twenties. Do you know? Like, but at some stage, we somehow managed to kind of become a going concern, you know, and like I have a life and I have friends and I love people and they love me and I have values. That's another thing, you know, that I have a kind of a moral structure 
Mm. And I have, you know, good things, a sense of responsibility to other people. If somebody asks me for a lift, if my car hasn't broken down, which it has at the moment, um, because um, because there's a jinx on me, but that's neither here nor there, <laughs> you know, but I will go, I will do it, you know. Yeah. Um, there's another thing that you have said about uh, if you don't want to do something, you don't do it. Yeah. Which sounds like quite a radical it is, thing. It's, it's incredibly hard. And I think it's extra hard if you're a woman because we are so socialised to be to be obliging, you know, to say yes. I mean, of course, you know, it feels. I mean, it feels very daring to say no. No, I don't want to. I mean, if you say no, it's bad enough. If you say no, I don't want to, you forget it. You know, no, no. But maybe don't say that if you if you value friends at all. Um, but yeah, like I, as I said, I stopped watching the telly. You know, I work things. I mean, at the moment, I don't want to do anything really because I don't have any opinions. I mean, this is different because I'm not having opinions. I'm just telling how I am. You know, but I don't want, I don't want to do a lot at the moment. I'm I'm going through a time of sort of stasis or suspended something or other. I like You it. know, yeah. and, uh, yeah, and you know, people say go out of your comfort zone, no, do these things. No, do not. <laughs> no, this, I am so against that. That is, that again, that should be hate speech, you know, saying, you know, push yourself, go out of your comfort zone. Do a bungee jump. No, do not. Do nothing of the fucking sort. Excuse me. Like, no. Like, if you know who you are, and most of us, if we put in a little bit of effort, we'll find out. You know, why would I do something that terrifies me and that I think I actually won't survive? I'm convinced I'd have a heart attack if I did a bungee jump. <laughs> Even though my heart is very good, it came back very good also in the, in oh, that thing I got done. And so I had an amazing like heart. Top marks. Yeah, top marks it. all around. <laughs> I know there's loads of things wrong with me, really. The head, no, the head is bad. But, but um, no, I am appalled that people would, would put pressure on other people. Like, anyone who wants to do anything, go out there and do it. And, and you know, Godspeed, enjoy yourself. But for me, I keep my world very small because I like it very small. You know, I do... N- as little as possible that scares me. Like getting out of bed in the morning is frightening enough, like for a lot of days. You know, we are who we are. And each of us, we're different. And if you are, I talk about my beloved niece a lot. She's 23 now. And um, when were we having a chat? You know, and she said that to me. She said like she stays in her lane. And I was like, I want so to stay in the funny. lane with you, I just, Emma. I just yeah. said that to my mother this morning. That's so weird that you used that expression. Yeah. We were talking about something and I just said, no, I just think I've found what my lane is and I just yeah. want to stay there. Yes. And why not? Mm. You know, and the people who want to change lanes, nobody's stopping you. But leave the steady lane drivers or whatever we are. Be. You know, and honestly, they're making comfort zones sound like a bad thing. If you have a comfort zone, cherish it. It's comfortable. It's comfortable. And it's the zone, you know, and we want to be in it. So, yeah, stay, stay in the comfort zone. I beg you. Now, another one that I did see you talking about is the fact that you won't like everyone in the world. Yeah. Which sounds, again, quite simple, but it's a good thing to, rem- to remember. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's still a shocker. 
when I meet somebody. And uh, I think, oh, my God, I don't like that person at all. And they clearly don't like me either. It's, I suppose, you know, when you feel that sort of flash of negative emotion, it's, it's unpleasant. And it's harder, I think, when you realise they don't like you back. Um, well, of course it is. But, like, that's the way of it. Not everyone's going to like us. And you don't have to make them like you. You just have to think, I don't like that person. They don't like me. It's grand. There's no need to angst about it. There are six billion people on the planet. The, you know, the likelihood of, of, of liking everyone is um, it's very small. But you don't have to make it okay, is what I'm saying. Okay. It's fine. You just don't have to like them. Yeah. You know, don't expend energy that could be done, used in a, in a more positive way. Just go, don't know, just don't like them. You know, maybe they remind you of someone else you don't like. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they're awful. They probably are. No, they're not. I'm but joking. Also, I'm I think joking. there's something about chemistry, isn't there? There is. People? Like, yeah, that there person is. could be a great person for somebody but else. But of course they are. And everybody yeah. is, isn't they? Everybody's somebody. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone that any of us doesn't like, somebody loves them. Probably several people. You know, it's okay. And speaking of which, you also believe about friendships that they can be small groups. It's interesting, my daughters now as teenagers, there's this thing, I don't know if it was around when we were younger, Marion, but friendship groups is a thing. Oh God, Friend groups, oh. which I think is a new-ish is. thing. Yeah. And it's all about how big your friend group is no, and how, you know, horrific. much it, Exactly. And so it's like, if you're only in a small friend group, what's wrong with you? There's something mm. really... But you think smaller friend groups, if I use that phrase, are better or it's okay to have a... Well, I don't really think that it's better, but I think really in anyone, anywhere your life, the number of people, say if somehow you ended up in a jail in Bangkok for accidentally smuggling drugs, you know, there are very few people that any of us could call. That's kind of more what I meant. The true friends. I mean, there are circles, you know, but like, Two or three proper, really tight, close ones is kind of what people get. You know, you see, I've never, I wouldn't have been in a friend group. It's, it's given me the shudders I even know, thinking about it. Like too. I was such, such an oddball. <laughs> um, and I have, you know, I have lovely people in my life and I get, you know, different things from different people. Um and, you know, I get an awful lot of sort of emotional nourishment from, from my brothers and sisters and my family. But, like, my life is quite small. Like, I like a lot of people. But I'm, I'm not out and about. And that's okay. I think I'd call you if I was in a Bangkok prison. Would you? Yeah, I think I, I would. would. be honoured. Okay. I would be honoured. I think honored. Be a good I would be fantastic. I would. <laughs> I you see, I'm a Virgo. I'm an organiser. <laughs> yeah, and also I like I like problem solving. Mm -hmm. You know, like I would. Good. Yeah, good to yeah, know. Yeah, speed dial yeah. for you. Try try not to though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Try not to. I. They, they don't look. No. They don't look well. nice. No. Um, the other thing is about from your own personal experience too. It's possible. And many people get addicted to many different things. And yeah. it's possible to 
have that terrible experience of addiction, but also to come out the other side of this, which, yeah. which when people are in that, it can feel like that's not possible. Yes. I mean, I love that you said people can get addicted to all kinds of things because the more time has gone on, the more it's recognised that like, you see, I think we are all in pain, human beings, and that we are all finding ways to get through and self-medicating whatever way we choose to do it. Um, is something that we all, it is a very rare person. I don't know if I've ever met any of them, you know, who don't need something. And so like, and again, I, I mean, I speak for myself, like I'm a recovering alcoholic, but I could literally get addicted to anything. I mean, you talked about my knitting. Roshin, I got addicted to buying wool and it wasn't even like I needed it. But like, it was the colours, it was the beauty, it was the planning. But I used to gather the balls of wool around me like they were kittens or something. Like I'd sit in my bed and I'd have the different colours and you are laughing when this is true, <laughs> you know. I'm just thinking of my beautiful cardigan that you oh, made me. yeah. That I put around me like it's a kitten. And oh I God, just that's love, lovely. And I get so many compliments it, about You know, it. I love, I am so honoured and grateful <laughs> because I love doing it. And if I ever finish my poxing book, which is very <laughs> unlikely, I will, I will knit again. But yeah, so the knitting was bad. But before that, I was addicted to the painting. I couldn't stop buying paint, you know, and it's about the acquisition of the materials as well as doing the actual thing, yeah. you know, but I, I get addicted to, I mean, songs. If I hear something I like, I'll immediately play it 20 times in a row. I think anything that changes my brain, anything that kind of gives me the burst of, do we pronounce it dopamine? Dopamine. I like dopamine. I'm going to say dopamine. dopamine. Yeah, if dopamine, I get the old yeah. burst of dopamine from <laughs> one thing, I'll try it again. Like, why wouldn't you? It felt nice. Give me more. Yeah, but your point is that oh, there's yes, yeah, when it's unhealthy. Because it. I suppose there's some of those things that are like, I've been to see the Barbie movie five times. I think you've seen it four, three, three, three times. Three, you know, yeah. those are, there's nothing bad going to happen to me from of watching too much Barbie isn't. movie, is there? No, no there but isn't. But there are other addictions, like you say, yeah. whether it's retail therapy, whether it's yeah. food, whether it's drink, whether it's drugs, whatever yeah. it is, that do have yeah. consequences for yeah. your life. But there's yeah. freedom from that. There absolutely you. is. I mean, Speaking for myself, when I was trapped in alcoholic drinking, I thought there was no way I could ever stop and I couldn't imagine a life beyond it. And God willing, touching wood and all of those sort of things, if I am sober for another, hang on now, October, November, December, four months, I'd be 30 years sober. You know, and like I didn't, like I couldn't, I couldn't do 24 hours. What you date know? is that? It is the 18th of January, DV. So it's 30 yeah. years in January. Yeah, God, yeah. But like, you have no idea. It was the centre of my life. It was the love of my life. And I was prepared to go wherever it took me. I didn't care. I was willing to lose everything. Because mostly, because, well, I thought I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. And then I thought, what would be the point? Everything would be so fucking boring. And it's not. Like, it's really not boring. I am in my comfort zone, I admit it, but it's not boring in here. <laughs> and there is, as you say, freedom from it, that it's possible. It is so possible. Yeah, I mean, that's been one of the real privileges of being sober. Is seeing loads of other people get sober as well. Um, it happens. It happens all the time. And, it, you know, it can happen for anyone. No addict is beyond getting well. I love that. I think that's really important for people because yeah. it can feel like there's no yeah, way out a lot of the time. Now, yeah. a couple of ones before you go. Okay. Um, 
they might be quicker. One is use sunblock, which I think is in that song, oh. that Baz Luhrmann. You know that um, oh, yeah. spoken yeah. word thing? Yeah. And one yeah. of the recurring things in it is use sunscreen. So Please use sunscreen. <laughs> now, I'm serious. Like, I wish, I wish that I had started decades earlier than I did. Seriously, there's no need to not wear it. You know, um, just don't get sunspots. Don't get sun cancer. Don't. Just look at don't. Just, just don't. don't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, this is something that I love as well. I was on a driving through Fibsborough today, and from a distance at a bus stop in the grey morning, I saw this vision in pink. I could see there was a young woman at the bus stop just dressed in this incredible outfit. <gasps> yes. And I said to Johnny, slow down as we pass her, will you? Because I want to take her picture. But I, I rolled down the window. I said, Excuse me, you look so amazing yes. today. I'd want to take your picture. And she was so delighted. She said, oh, yeah. I mean, she really had the spectacular outfit on. I took a picture. I asked her her name. Her name was Charlotte, if she's listening. And she was, I asked her about herself. She said she was on her way to art college in NCAD. Oh, and I said, do you oh mind God, if I put this on hard. Twitter? I know. And um, I, I said, do you mind if I put it on Twitter? She was like, yeah, fine. So took the picture, put it up. And and it's brightened up so many people's day. Yes. I brightened up her day, me telling her that I really appreciated her outfit. And that's one of your things you've learned, too, about yeah, always, if you like something. If you like something something about a person always tell them always because why not like I keep saying life is difficult mm. you know and if you tell somebody something is nice they're genuinely delighted and not freaked out but it makes you feel better as well and actually and another thing I'd like to say is if you ever get the chance to help a person do it like when I when I was coming here today um I got out of Tara Street and there was a woman with a buggy, you know, and you know the steps and they should have a fucking ramp. Yeah. Um, but like I offered to help her, her thing because, because why wouldn't I? Mm. And then I felt I got a gawk at a baby, which was lovely, <laughs> you know, and then I got that kind of warm glow of having kind of made another human being's day a small bit easier. Like always do it, you know, big or small, loan a person a, ha a hammer if they want one, you know, whatever it is. Do it if you can. You'll get more out of it than they will. It's funny you say that again. Go back to my mum. I was with her today and uh, she's 84 now. And, you know, sometimes it's hard for her just to go for a little walk to get her steps in, but she kind of makes herself do it. And she did it yesterday in the rain. And she felt it was almost like a reason for doing it because she got up to the end of the road and there was a woman who didn't have very much English who could only say one word hospital and her, oh my her GPS wasn't Working. sending yeah. her the right way. Oh, yeah. And my mum was physically able to just turn her in the direction of the matter and say yeah, that, that way. way. And she felt like that was the reason she, she was, was out in the walk, yes. even though she didn't want to be. Yeah. So it's really true. There's always people around, isn't there, that can just benefit from our... Yes. Be nice if at all possible. Yeah. You know, make that little extra effort. You know, nothing bad is going to happen. I don't want to end on a negative note, but back when we talked about you won't like everyone and not everyone's going to like us either, yeah. are they? No. And that's OK, too. It's absolutely fine. And it's not because we are intrinsically flawed. It's not anything to do with us, really, especially if they don't know us. You know, they're just reacting to whatever we generate in their emotions, their memories or whatever. It has nothing to do with us. You know, they're not judging us. It's not because we need to change in any way. It's fine. They're just being them and we're just being us and it's fine. Yeah. 
And uh, before you go, I just want to ask you about Now We're Asking, which is your brilliant oh, yes, podcast you do yes, with Tara yes, Flynn yes. on BBC Radio 4. And you're yeah. coming back for a third series. Yeah. And like, that's not to be underestimated in terms of your gratitude list. Like to get a third series of something yes. on a radio station like BBC Radio 4, it's yeah. just, it means that you're a hit, you're a smash sensation. So people write you questions and ask yeah, you about they send, things. Yeah, they send us in problems. Mm. And, uh, and I mean, my God, like, you know, like people have been so lovely, you know, and it's completely anonymous. Like we don't read out. I mean, Tara and I don't even see the names. Mm. And like we do a cross section and we give our advice because Tara sadly is not old. Tara's only 52, but I am immensely aged <laughs> and I have so much wisdom. And it's funny and it's it's kind. Like from the very beginning, this was not to be even remotely sarky. You know, this is, you know, complete kindness. And a bit of fun. And yeah, so it's back for a third series. It'll be starting, I think, early November. And it'll also be on BBC Sounds. In fact, the other two series, the first two series, because it's the podcasts. Mm. Um, and uh, and also for the next, for the one we're doing now, we're doing uh, a kind of an extra little piece called, Jesus, I can't even remember. <laughs> something, it's not after hours, but it's something like that, where yeah. we do, where we do Dorte. Doctor, doctor, yeah, is yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. Not always sex, but yeah, things that mightn't be appropriate Rude. for the radio, Rude. for the wireless. Yes, Ooh. and that's been that's been interesting. Yeah, and some problems from the from the down there, yeah, yeah, from that. the plumbing below. <laughs> yes, and again, again, I have Boku to experience. <laughs> well, Marion, you are a wise. Mm-hmm. older I will mm-hmm. say rather than old older woman and we've so loved listening it's, to all I've of enjoyed that. it so much oh, and just uh, check your list though is there anything else that I'm you want to say before no, you think, go I Have think we kind of got everything? it all yeah one other thing you're never too old to make new friends oh yeah you know you that can, is so true yeah, you can make them on your deathbed well I don't know oh. about that <laughs> And also about looking after yourself and yeah. making yourself look good and the makeup and all yes. of those things. Yeah. We should do that. If if, if that's what you, you want to do. Yeah. If you want to get Botox, get Botox. I say that because I am now about to go and get my Botox. Um, and uh, if you don't want to get Botox, don't get Botox. You know, be you. Yeah. Be your amazing, unique, one-off person that you are. Well, that's a lovely way to leave it. Marion Keys, you are amazing. So are you, Happy Rosie birthday. Ingle. Thank you. And uh, we'll have to have you back when you're 70 then. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I feel 70, 70 will be easier. Do you think so? Yeah, I do, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the, the odd numbers are easier, I think. Ah. 60, 40. Right. 70. 70 is nice. 70 50 was nice. And then yeah. 90 will be great. 90 will be fabulous, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Marion. Thank you. <laughs> That was Marion Keys there and her radio show with Tara Flynn is called Now You're Asking and it's on BBC Radio 4 and on BBC Sounds. And if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast, please leave us a review or subscribe to the podcast. It really makes a big difference to us. The podcast is produced by Suzanne Brennan and by me, Roisin Ingle, with JJ Vernon on sound. Talk to us on social at IT Women's Podcast or email us on thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. That's it for me. Mind yourselves and I will talk to you next time. Hold up. 
too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8000 PA suction removes debris and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.